Our first reading this evening from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that none of you may say you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptize anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We write. The Holy Gospel from St. Matthew, the fourth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his, flame, his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. In the quiet countryside of Galilee, in the little villages around there, one of the greatest revolutions, well, the greatest of all revolutions, began in the hearts and in the souls of men. This revolution did not cost billions of dollars. There was no mass media 
to spread it around the world. There were no protests and mass gatherings. There were no armies to enforce it. Only one man, thought to be the son of a carpenter, along with a few disciples, who in truth turned out to be the very Son of God. And this is the beginning of that revolution and of that ministry. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. One of the most important things that Christians have to recognize right away is the need for Jesus to come into the world and the need for this revolution in the need for this ministry of preaching and teaching and healing. The need is because as human beings, our natural tendency is to drift away from the Lord and to remain away from the Lord. It isn't possible for us to, on our own, come to Him. Many people are deceived in this and think they can take a very laissez-faire approach to God vague feeling, a sense that everything is okay, that they are somehow connected to God in a good way on their own. This is a dangerous assumption. Here is what the Bible says about that. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. They have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. The Apostle Paul, in this same first letter to the Corinthians from our first scripture reading today, but the natural man, he said, receives not the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him. That reality should cause all of us to give great thanks for the compassion that God has had on us and on this world sending his son Jesus to come to us to convert those first fishermen into fishers of men and to proclaim that gospel from one generation to the next, even as it has come down to us to this very day. As Jesus said, he was moved with compassion for them, for you and for me, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. That's a reality, the reality of drifting, the reality of being separated from God, why we need Jesus, and why Jesus comes to call. Jesus didn't come to test us, to see if we are good enough to be in his kingdom or good enough to be connected to God. He came to turn us, to turn us back. For you were like sheep, Peter would later say in his first letter, going astray but have now returned to the shepherd and to the overseer of your souls. So how did Jesus do this? We have before us a very beautiful outline of his ministry. It is a ministry of preaching, a ministry of teaching, and a ministry of healing. What is preaching? Think of announcing. Think of the big message that God wants all people to hear, the basic message of sin and salvation or law and gospel. This is a message that we all need to hear. It is the message that saves sinners. 
It is God announcing to this world that he is the Savior. He has saved it through his Son in his life and his death and his resurrection. But preaching wasn't the only thing that Jesus did. He was also a teacher. Is there a difference between preaching and teaching? Well, there is. There is a lot of teaching in preaching, but teaching involves a little bit more. Teaching is explaining things and helping people to understand and applying them personally in their lives. Jesus carefully taught his disciples, and those disciples carefully taught other disciples. He was helping everyone to understand what stands behind the big announcements of the preaching. And then there is the healing. Jesus was very careful to keep concealed his divine nature, but he let it shine forth in glimpses. When people came to him with their diseases, with demon possession, and all other sorts of maladies and sicknesses, he never used his power to make his life more comfortable, and he rarely used it to protect himself. He used it, nevertheless, to heal. And Jesus' healing ministry is important, above all, because it points us to where all things end for those who follow Jesus and who believe in him. This is God's ultimate goal for us, to take away sin and to take away all the effects of sin as well. We're here today because we've been called through this ministry, preaching, teaching, healing. And in all of this ministry, God has brought us to the cross. As Paul calls it in our first reading today, the true wisdom that is in this world, the cross of Christ that heals us of sin and of disease, as Isaiah said, by his stripes we are healed. Now the beauty of all of this is that it didn't just happen 2,000 years ago on the shores of the Sea of Galilee and then just come to an abrupt stop. It continued on. And it continues on through you and through me today. When we think about the ministry of Jesus and his preaching and teaching and healing, it's good for us to be thinking about how we are all not only the beneficiaries of that ministry, but we are also the ones who carry that ministry on and support it. Imagine if these disciples that Jesus called had only heard the gospel, believed it, but did nothing else. Imagine what would happen to us and what would happen to the rest of the world. Now, this is a gift that when God gives it, it is a gift that is automatically put into use. So let's talk about preaching now as it continues in the church and in the world today. Isaiah said in the 52nd chapter, how beautiful on the mountainside are the feet of him who brings good news. Good news is the gospel. About 15 miles west of here, as you drive on uh, Interstate 
6440, uh, past Forest Park, past Barnes Hospital, and if you take the exit by the large Amico sign, and just after that, take a right, you'll end up on the campus of Concordia Seminary, where preachers are trained. If you've never driven over there, I would encourage you to do so. It's a beautiful place. But what's most beautiful about it is not its buildings, but the work that is done there. The work of training and teaching and helping men to become preachers and pastors. The nickname of their basketball team is The Preachers. There they learn the original languages of the Bible. They learn some of the 2,000 years of church history. We don't believe that we are the first Christians. We recognize that we stand on the shoulders of giants that have stood in the faith in Christ before us. They also learn the best approaches to teaching and pastoral care. And then they are sent to churches in the United States and around the world to carry this important ministry forward, preaching, announcing, proclaiming the saving truths of Jesus Christ. But this is not only the work of pastors. This is also the work that you do in your own circle of your family and of your friends. There are times when you can speak up There are times when you can drop the truth bombs on your family and on your friends. One memorable gentleman from our congregation who is now in heaven would always take my messages. He lived in a nursing home in Granite City. He was actually a younger man, but because of an accident he had had earlier in his life, he was very, very disabled. I was not a learned man by any means. In fact, he couldn't even read. But he would take my messages that I would bring him, and he would go around to the different residents of the nursing home where he lived, and he would share that message with them. He would proclaim the same things that I had proclaimed to him, the same things that Peter and the rest of those first disciples began proclaiming as they followed Jesus. We preach a sermon here in church, but hopefully that sermon spreads out through a lot of little sermons, the little sermons that you preach as you have the opportunity as well to proclaim the big truths of Jesus. Teaching, the teaching ministry of Jesus continues today with intensity and blessing in so many ways. Tonight, it's appropriate to highlight the teaching ministry that goes on in our Lutheran school and many other Lutheran schools like it. Here, children learn the truth, not the foolishness of those who literally hate the God of the Bible. They learn the Ten Commandments, which when obeyed, if you think about this for a moment, never cause any harm. But when they are disobeyed, they cause great pain and suffering in this world. And they also are taught with a sense of divine authority, with divine punishment as a result of, their dis- of disobeying these things. 
When children are taught these things, I promise you that their participation in crime and other terrible activities in this world drops. They learn the gospel, that God created this world, and that it is beautifully ordered and designed by him. It is not an accident. That is something that either an idiot, honestly, or a truly evil person who is only trying to erase God from their mind and from the minds of other people could possibly believe. They learn that God preserves us and God saves us. And though there is a great problem of evil in this world, there is an answer to that problem. In the very opposite, and that is in the person and in the work of Jesus of Nazareth, of his cross and of his resurrection. They learn of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, who brings us God's word and gives us faith and good works and even, in some cases, miracles. Turning now to the last of the three parts of Jesus' ministry, preaching and teaching and healing. I disagree with some Christians who I think are mistaken when they think they can freely and by their own will duplicate the healing ministry of Jesus. All too often we've seen the results of that. Often people who are not healed in the, by those charlatans are told that they don't have enough faith. Or they may themselves resort to fraud and fakery as they've done at times in the past. Nevertheless, we still believe in miraculous healing. And just as in the Bible, great miracles are rare, so also they are rare today. But it doesn't mean that they do not happen. Whether or not a divine miracle occurs, such as the healing of someone in their sickness, or whether we simply care for them in the best way we can with devotion and love and comfort, the outcome of each is still the same. We seek to heal. We seek to help. We seek to comfort. And we know that this is God's ultimate goal, that when we believe in Him, He will heal us, either in this life or in the life to come. One very special way of healing ministry that we can do here in our congregation will be celebrated next Sunday when we dedicate a sonogram machine that was purchased with gifts from members of our church and from other Christians that will be used to help women realize that the baby in their body really is a baby. And it will undo the lie that this is really nothing more than like a tumor or something that should be discarded and removed. They will realize this is a human being and this is a child and we pray that it will lead them to want to save this child. We pray for the unborn and we pray also for those who have lost their children, perhaps because they were misguided or badly advised about this. God is the one who heals ultimately everything, whether it be broken babies or broken hearts. What began in the quiet countryside of Galilee has now spread to the farthest ends of this world. 
It's a blessing that countless numbers of people have been called from the darkness to the light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, from a sure and certain separation from God to reconciliation with God through Christ. This is a ministry that will continue unabated until the end of the world. God be praised and God be with us as we are the beneficiaries of this ministry and also the bearers of that ministry for the saving, not only of our own souls, but the souls of many others. Amen. Please rise.